0: i believe we all want a chance to share our story and we should whether our story is being cut off by traffic or uplifting our whole life and moving to the other side of the world someone out there could be encouraged by it my name's paige and this is just another human story hey guys welcome to a. Another human story. Today we've got Abby joining us and she's currently
1: an early childhood teacher.
0: For work and what do you like to do in your spare time?
1: Uh honestly it's just kind of more for me about having like good work life balance and spending lots of time with the people that I love outside of work and I don't know finding time to be crafty and creative when I have the time and the energy to do it cuz that's also what i love to do
0: okay and yeah what so what's kind of important to you day to day what's your what makes you click what takes what you makes over me
1: click? i i'm a big people person i think i always have been and obviously in my line of work i get to be around people all day and not just like my friends and stuff but i get to be around little people who i'm taking care of 40 hours a week and helping grow into proper little humans
0: yeah
1: and be- being a babies' teacher so I work with zero to two-year-olds I get to like really see the progression from them being babies and right up to when they start to walk and talk and develop their personalities and it's just yeah the coolest thing ever because I get to be a part of their lives right from the get-go
0: it's such an important time as well yeah zero to two they're oh, learning everything.
1: it is it's huge they go from just being these little people who need everything done for them and need to you know have lots of care to yeah these little people who show their personalities and learn all sorts of things and it's so fun as well like, especially our full-timers, you see parts of yourself reflected and how they start to develop, which is really, really fun. Well,
0: they, they start copying some of the things you say. And... Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I've got a little flock of mini-me's <laughs> at work, which is just it's so cool. What's really
0: one of the catchiest things?
1: Uh, I think because I've got little nicknames for all my kids. Yeah. And so... Sometimes I'll hear them calling each other chicken or dude or <laughs> one of the other funny names that I give to them. They'll go, come on, chickens, try to, you know, get everyone's attention because, you know, and yeah, it's just, it's really cool being a part of that part of their development. And, and then once they've been there long enough, seeing them off to school, that's a huge momentous thing for us as teachers
0: yeah for sure so obviously to you growing up even from zero to you'd probably agree all the way through growing up's a pretty important thing
1: Mm. for everyone childhood is so important and
0: it's all it varies for all of us but um what what about yourself what did you do growing up where did you sort of where did you live let's start there
1: uh so I was born in England, but very quickly moved back to New Zealand, where my parents were from. They had me while they were on an OE. <laughs> so <laughs> not sure that was, like, super in the plans. But, um, yeah, and then I've just lived in Auckland all my life, grew up on the shore for the first 10 years of my life, and then my mum in her second marriage to my wonderful stepdad – ended up getting pregnant when I was 10 and our house was teeny tiny. She kept joking that she was going to have to put the new baby underneath the bed. (laughs) Um, So that's when we moved up to the Hibiscus coast and yeah, that was super fantastic. I love the coast and living up there. And so we moved up there and that's where both of my sisters were born I it's funny as well because we're all birthdays in the same week. My the first one was born the day before my eleventh birthday. And then the second one was born one week before my thirteenth birthday. So now my poor parents have to spend so much money in like the last week of January slash first week of February.
0: Just after Christmas.
1: <laughs> yeah, they time that really badly.
0: And then there's there's another sibling as his birthday must be a bit further away give the parents a bit of a break
1: oh yeah no he's he's october so just a couple months before yeah so yeah my me and my younger brother we're quite close in age and i got to be the, yeah the big sister
0: yeah
1: and being the big sister of the two girls who were so much younger than me was a really cool experience like it just i think it probably shaped my decision to become a teacher and whatnot and then our dad he was away traveling for like i don't know three to six months of the year yeah a lot of um a lot of the time up until covid (laughs) (laughs) so then it was kind of like me as a teenager helping mum out while dad was away traveling and you know all that kind of stuff
0: interesting dynamic but it worked
1: oh it definitely worked i was like Big sister slash (laughs) co-parent when needed. It was really good, but it definitely taught me that I could spend the rest of my life around kids.
0: Yeah, it's
1: definitely why I am where I am today.
0: What was what was home life like growing up?
1: Yeah, no, it was good. I was I was super lucky growing up. Um, My parents, my like biological parents, split up when I was five and a half six yeah. years old maybe and honestly the divorce was super like easy my parents were really good about it it was like we stayed living with mum sort out on the weekends the typical kind of way that it gets sorted out yeah but they were really really good about it like it never felt crazy or anything when yeah. we were kids, which was really good. So they
0: kept it sort of civil oh, between super civil! And... Like
1: dad would come over for dinner during the weeks and, you know, yeah. Yeah. My parents were really good about it. And then, yeah, I was super fortunate that my mom met my stepdad uh, a little while after and he's been a permanent fixture in our lives ever since. They got married when I was 10, and that was just the best thing ever. <sighs> and, yeah, and then I got my two beautiful sisters from that, which was amazing. Yeah, no, growing up was growing up was good. Like, we never – I mean, there was a period of time when mum was a single mum and she was yeah. having to make ends meet, but talking to her about it later on, she skipped out on new clothes. She skipped out on haircuts. She skipped out on – everything for herself and so my brother and I never noticed all
0: those things that we never noticed or thought about
1: Ah, no and we so we never went without anything that we wanted or needed every birthday Christmas in that period of time it was yeah exactly the same as it would have been if you know my parents had still been together or we had the same amount of money or whatever like we we had no idea that there was a bit of scraping by just for a little while no, it was it was good.
0: And um, I guess activity-wise or hobby-wise, was there?
1: <laughs> uh, my mum put me through gymnastics for two years because I was so uncoordinated that she thought it might make <laughs> a bit of difference.
0: I imagine if you hadn't.
1: Well, she said it made it better, and I'm still really <laughs> uncoordinated, so I <laughs> have no idea what I used to be like. Um, Yeah, I wasn't, like, a sporty person. I did play hockey for five years. Yeah. but mostly because my friends in high school were also playing hockey and that was just a really fun thing to do just
0: social aspects that's
1: oh, that's, that's all sports ever been for me but yeah i was i did not get better at hockey after probably my second season that's where I, my skills stopped improving but um yeah hockey and then uh i did social soccer team in my last year of high school which was funny as, because none of us had played soccer before, and we still came second in our grade. It was unbelievable.
0: If the parents of the other kids knew. <laughs>
1: oh, they'd be <laughs> devastated. Yeah. And aside from that, I was also super fortunate in my teenage years to be able to do a bit of travel. So I went to Argentina when I was 13 with my father, and then, because he'd had an Argentine... Argentinian partner, while I was growing up, who was just so amazing and a big part of my childhood. um Yes, yeah, so that was my first overseas trip was to Argentina, and that was amazing. I had such a good time.
0: Yeah,
1: I definitely got a bit of a travel bug after that.
0: But a but of food. Oh yeah, the food was food. super good. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's like one of the most exciting things about travel, I think. <laughs> is eating all the good food because you have to eat out every night when you're traveling as well
0: yeah yeah i tell you what uh, you won't catch me eating like frog legs or (laughs) crickets or anything like that did you have anything interesting no Uh, no
1: it was just so much meat argentinians live on huge barbecues like you'll walk down the street and there's just entire animals roast, slow roasting in the windows of these barbecue restaurants it's incredible that and is it a dream tastes amazing <clears throat> but by the end of the first week i was like if i have another piece of steak i'm gonna throw up so then it was just pasta from then on out for me which was good that was fine <laughs>
0: What was the favourite place you've travelled to then out of – you said you got a bit of a bug, so I assume you've done a bit since then.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, favourites are so hard. Like, I feel like I've loved each place for a different reason and I've been to places for different reasons as well. Like, uh, my last trip to Brisbane was to move one of my best friends permanently back to New Zealand, so that was a huge highlight for me because that was just, like – Finally convinced her to come back (laughs) home and whinged at her for long enough that she was like, oh, okay. Um,
0: Wore her down.
1: Yeah. And then I got to go to LA and New York with my dad with his tour company in, oh, that must have been my last year of high school. And... Oh, it was incredible. We got to go to Disneyland. My dad didn't want to go, but I paid for his ticket and convinced him to come with me. And he had such a good time. So I was right about that.
0: I imagine he'd been before him. He you? had been
1: before, but he'd never been with someone. He'd always been with groups and been left by himself. And Disneyland's not fun by yourself. But we had a ball. And then we went to New York and I got, yeah, it was my final year of high school because I got to go ball dress shopping in New York, which was
0: not many, not many (laughs) high school girls in New Zealand get to flaunt.
1: Oh, look at me. I got it all the way from New York. I know, but that was, that was super cool. And yeah, it was just, that was an incredible trip. And then my mum and I went back to the UK for me to meet all of my family that I hadn't seen since I was, six months old.
0: Yeah.
1: Um just as I was about to start even my first year of uni. So that was really cool. We took a whole month and we did Singapore on the way there and back, which was amazing because I love Asian food and Singapore's beautiful. And then yeah, I got to meet all this part of the family that I'd never met before and they're all so wonderful and so nice. And we hopped across to Europe for a week and did Uh, Prague and Vienna and Munich and so I got super drunk in the Hofbrauhaus where they do (laughs) Oktoberfest on our one night in Munich and that was yeah it was so cool it's it's definitely favorite things for for different reasons
0: yeah all right so you've been been around the world a little bit I'm sure a little bit I'm sure there's more on the horizon yeah
1: absolutely
0: but valuable experiences
1: Oh, definitely
0: worth
1: it. Oh, I honestly don't think that there's any amount of money that I wouldn't spend on traveling. Like I just, I really want to just go so many places and see so many things and not necessarily all at once, but it's something that I'm going to keep going back to through my life, for sure.
0: You know, what what was school life like for you?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, school was good. I was always a good student. I, I don't know, I was just naturally quite academic, which was good because I was also a bit lazy. So (laughs) (laughs) I was, I don't know about lazy. I was a procrastinator. Everything was done right at the last minute. Yeah, and I was the (laughs) same through uni as well. It was so bad. I thought uni would be a bit different because it was something I was so excited about, but.
0: Did you ever sit there on a uni paper and just go, oh, C's get degrees?
1: Oh, for sure. There were a couple <laughs> of classes. Like my sociology class in my first year, I was just like, whatever. I don't even care as long as I'm passing. But it wasn't it wasn't like that for my whole degree. <laughs> no, school was, school was good. I... Yeah, I went to a lovely primary school on the shore. And then when we moved up to the coast, I met my best friend the first day of primary school. And turns out she lived right next door to me. So that was super cool having like my best friend through high school living right next door to me. And yeah, I wasn't actually going to go back for year 13. I left school at the end of year 12 because I was so sure that I wanted to go into education. And at that point, AUT had a um, six year, no six year, six month intro to education course that you could do that gave you the same uni entrance as year 13. So I was like, oh, why would I stick around and do another year of school? If I can then just go to uni, do six months and then it leads straight into my degree. I'll already have a head start. Like I say goodbye to all my friends, say goodbye to all my teachers, (laughs) drew all over my school uniform, like got everyone to sign it. So the school uniform was wrecked. And then over the summer, the Teachers Council changed their entry requirements to require students to have completed year 13, which I kind of get for like, uh, not tertiary, secondary teachers, because, you know, they're going into, but.
0: But even then, if someone got to like forty and decided to wanted to, oh well, that's the thing. To... Is it was
1: over the age of twenty four oh, or finished year thirteen. Okay, and I wasn't going to be waiting. No, years that's to that's a while. So, like two weeks before school started, I re-enrolled and I just did the bare minimum to, which was <laughs> honestly the best choice. Like year thirteen was my favorite year at school. I'm so glad that I ended up going.
0: Just a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I took, like, art and art extension, so almost half of my week was just spent in art class, drawing and painting, which I love, and uh, then I took a study class, so essentially, like, art extension and study were just two free periods, and I took internal English, so, like, the dumb English class, and I took (laughs) statistics instead of calculus, even though I totally could have
0: nothing wrong with stats.
1: Yeah. And then like health, which was honestly not going to lie. The best class that prepared me for uni. Cause we had to do like report writing where we had to do referencing. And right. I actually couldn't believe how much better health prepared me for writing uni papers than any other class ever did.
0: You'd think English should have been, you
1: would think so. Not English. Oh, and I took geography as well for the trip. <laughs> yeah. Our, was... our
0: College had pretty good trips oh, yeah. for geo. I oh, went yeah. and did, I think I did like a Turangi and went through like the the crossing on the uh, the Devil's oh, Crossing? Tongariro. Devil's Staircase. Yeah, Tongariro. Yeah. That was the year 12 one. What was, was... the year 13 one?
1: Uh, I think it was Rotorua because we were doing like. Urban patterns or whatever, and the like tourism thing in. Road you guys River. just
0: went on the luge. We and... went to the luge. We went white
1: rafting. We and because we were year thirteen, like we were staying in a motel. Or I can't even remember anymore. But the teachers just let us go out into the town to go and find dinner. So then we ended up like bumping into the teachers at restaurants and like sitting and having dinner with these teachers who kind of become more of like our mates over the course of the year because. Social studies teachers are so cool. Well,
0: yeah, you're about to you're about to move into that. Like, Mm. if I see you next year, you are just
1: an adult on the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. Year thirteen was, yeah, just the best year and the social soccer thing. And I just, yeah, had so much fun and I was really glad that I went back. And some of the girls who are my best friends now are girls that I became really, really close to in that final year of school. And it's just weird to think that if I hadn't gone back, that all of the people that I spend so much time with now would be different.
0: Yeah, life Mm. life can be a bit funny like that. Like if you, sometimes you sit there and go, oh, what if I'd done this? But if you've gone and done that, everything else might be completely different.
1: Exactly. Like, yeah, you might not have the people that you have today. You might not have had the same opportunities. You... Yeah, one one tiny little choice that you were sure of could have completely changed the course of your life. I mean that's crazy.
0: If life's going good, that's good. But if it's going bad, the great thing is you can change that tomorrow.
1: Yeah, with one choice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What did you what did you dream of? What did you dream of? When you were let's let's say when you were like what was the first dream job when you were like seven or something? What was your
1: Oh for a good period of time there, I really thought I was going to be a vet. Like, like so convinced that we'd made this entire plan of like, I was going to move down to Palmerston North to go to the uni down there.
0: Right. Cause you and, can only do it at Massey in yeah. New Zealand, right?
1: <clears throat> yeah. With the the cows with the windows on their sides and whatnot. Yeah. yeah I was like so convinced that cause I liked animals and then I was like, oh, I would really like to help them and then I learned really quickly that I do not have the stomach for like her or dead animals.
0: <laughs> or I guess cutting them open. And oh, all that. no, so,
1: absolutely. The no.
0: actual being a vet part oh, wasn't
1: <laughs> No, I I really just don't don't know why that was such a thing for quite a long time for me as a kid. Yeah, if you asked me to take a scalpel to an animal, I absolutely could not do that. But yeah, I realized, I realized quickly enough. And then, and then it was just teaching, 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 teaching.
0: Teaching's where you it up. How, how's that going?
1: It's, it's going really, really well. I was really lucky that um, I got a job straight out of uni at a center that I'd already done placement at during my um, final year. Yeah. So I knew that. I loved the centre, I loved the way it felt, and I loved kind of just what they were about and how they did things, and I'd kept in touch with the teachers from that centre after I'd left my placement, and I'd gone to one of their kids' birthday parties and heard that one of them had just moved on to a different centre, so they were looking for a new teacher, and this was like maybe three or four weeks before the end of my degree. So I called up the manager and I was like, hello, (laughs) I heard you have a space and I want it. Like I, I know all the parents already. I know how things are done. I know exactly how your center runs. I'll fit in so quickly. Like, please give me the job. And she, yeah, got me in for an interview that next week was like, we'll put you on a casual contract so you can decide if it's a good fit for you, which do you know what, That's I think that's such a good thing in the teaching industry because it's so important to have teachers that like align their views with the centre that they're working at. Like if For the sure. centre believes something that's vastly different from a teacher, then it's just not ever going to work nicely.
0: Well, because it's not just the values of the centre, but all the people they have to work with, I guess would share that, those same values theoretically. Yeah. So you just not only clash with the centre, of it, would you clash with each other in that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you couldn't have teachers working alongside each other as well because it's such a team environment if you believed totally different things. Yeah, yeah, so I got put on a casual contract and then was very quickly moved to a full-time contract because <laughs> they went, oh, yes, yes, we'd love to keep you. And I was super happy. And then... Yeah no, and it's funny as well because all through my degree, I was like, oh no, I want to work with the three and four year olds. I want to work with the preschoolers. They're so much more interesting. You can have conversations with them, and I could, I just could never be a baby's teacher because it's all routine and caregiving based, and that's just not enough Which for me.
0: I think a lot of us would think the same thing initially. We'd be like, yeah, man, three and four year olds. They, yeah, the older. They're ones. throwing. They're throwing stuff. They're doing. They're doing some shit. Yeah, so, but what was what helped that change for you? What did?
1: Well, the space was in the zero to two room. So yeah, you know, when I went in to talk to my manager, she was like, "Oh, well, the space is here," and I just said, "I it's not ideally my room. Like, I want to be in the other room, but I want to work at your centre so badly that I'll just I'll take that for now. And then if something ends up changing later on, I'll move to the other room," which never ended up happening because I got so settled in. In the um, zero to two room. And yeah, and it's crazy as well because every teacher that was there when I started moved on, whether they were moving on to primary teaching or down the country or to another country, just suddenly <clears throat> all of the teachers that were there when I started just just had moved of- on. So I became the longest standing staff member
0: At what, within like six months.
1: Yeah yeah pretty much yeah but within a year everyone had had gone yeah and I was really fortunate that um I got promoted to the team leader position of my room which means that I've been able to be a huge part of all the changes that we've been making at my center which have been incredible and I've got just a wonderful team of teachers that I work with I'm really fortunate that we're a teeny tiny little center. So we've got amazing ratios and it allows us to do so much with the kids. Get
0: real relational.
1: Oh yeah. The relationship is so, so deep. And that's, that is the biggest thing for me as a teacher is that's the core of my personal philosophy is that relationship is, or has to be at the center of teaching. Like you're not just, when you're there with a child for 40, sometimes in some children's cases, 50 hours a week, you don't just need to be someone who's providing care for them. You also need to be loving that child because yeah. children need love to for their brains to grow properly. They need love to develop properly. And that's, yeah, I think that's what really brought me around to loving working with the tainer children the zero to two children is just the really deep love that you can form with these with these children
0: yeah i don't think i i don't think we'd as joe bloggs sending their their child to a center or whatever like i know parents look around a little bit but i don't think they always click to just how Mm. much is going on and much is being learnt from a quality teacher versus someone who's just herding sheep
1: yeah yeah and that's a really important thing about centers and center sizes and how many kids there are because I've worked in centers where there's the number of children in my center in just one room and it is crowd management you don't have the time to sit and have those beautiful moments with the children. You don't have time to give everyone exactly what they need. And it's not because those teachers, there are amazing teachers in those centres. It's just because they literally do not have the time and resources. There has never been a point at my centre where there has been a child upset where someone hasn't been free to go and sit with that child for as long as they need. Like if one of my babies wakes up, And they were woken and they didn't get enough sleep and so they're just beside themselves I can sit with them for half an hour and cuddle them until they're ready to come and join the rest of the kids my like the way that we are set up allows for that which is so important for me and which is why I chose to work where I work
0: yeah Yeah. how do you think that what you're doing both in your personal life for fun or hobbies or whatever and, and what you're doing at work, how do you think that could, I guess, help you have a happy life but also maybe make an impact? I mean, I guess you're making an impact in 27 little lives every day. Mm. But how would you talk about that? How would you sum that up?
1: Oh, I don't know. That's a, That's a hard one. I guess for work, it's that I just really want to – help children become confident in themselves like I feel like that is one of my biggest focuses and things that I decide to do in my classroom and with our children is I just really want for when they they grow up for them to be kind to other people but also kind to themselves because that's something that really irritates me with people our age or older is hearing people with negative self-talk. And I have, I think, bullied it out of all of my friends because I won't (laughs) let them talk negatively about themselves. Yeah. But if children never learn how to do that, then they're going to be happier people. They're going to be more confident. They're going to be self-assured. They're going to, you know, have all of these skills where they're going to go, no, actually, it's okay. I'm going to be okay and stuff. So
0: giving them confidence to take a shot. Yeah, well. for like... sure.
1: Like they they learn how to yeah, to trust themselves and how to be determined and persevere through res- uh like things that are hard. And yeah, so I really try to angle everything, like all the decisions that I make for my for my team and stuff to support kids to do that. And then I don't know. Just being around for the people that I love. Yeah. Is and that makes me happy too. Like I because I'm a people person, I love to be around my friends and I love to be able to be their support systems and their cheerleaders and yeah. Yeah. I think that's really all it is for me.
0: Do you think it's important though, like learning to step back a little bit sometimes or
1: Sometimes, yeah. I think it comes with age. You learn your limits. Yeah. And how much... I mean, I definitely booked myself in for too many things and said yes to too many things a couple years ago, and I was just flat out and exhausted all the time. So you definitely learn how to keep everything balanced enough so that you are taking care of yourself first, and then you're also putting your best foot forward at work, and then you're also like if you are taking good care of yourself, then you're a better person to be around for your friends and family. So it's just finding the balance of how to prioritize all of those things.
0: Yeah. It's quite, it's quite hard to give out of like an empty tank. Yeah. Like, but you know, I've done the same thing. Yeah. Overextended a little bit too much. And then at times I've definitely gone the other way and underextended myself and, and, it's a, yeah
1: it's a learning
0: curve yeah find a finding a good balance between
1: yeah yeah for sure because you're not going to know if you don't mess it up a couple times like, yeah going, ah what am i doing
0: but that's the confidence thing too right like mm. i guess if i even personally learned younger as well to just take a shot because i guess not learning stuff mm. not like what you're trying to teach little two-year-olds could translate very well when you're 16 or 17 mm. to just having confidence in yourself to take a shot and do something, rather than
1: getting Wonder other people
0: you're... to tell you that you can do something. Yeah, because that's a big—that's a big thing I think in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Is
0: waiting for everyone to be like, oh,
1: yeah, come on, you can do it.
0: Instead of like, rather when than we're... just
1: branching out and just doing whatever, giving it all a go.
0: Well, here comes a whole bunch of little kids out of Manly that are going to have the (laughs) confidence to do something great.
1: I really hope so.
0: Um, And just to to close us off, if you could say one thing to change even just one person's life, what would that be?
1: I knew this question was coming, so I've been thinking about it (laughs) a little bit, preparing for my turn on the podcast. I think just the biggest thing that, I think about if I'm like trying to do decide what's the right thing to do whatever is my mum would always say to me just make sure you keep your side of the street clean and I know that when she said it to me it was because I was turning into a bitchy teenager and she, <laughs> she was really good at keeping me accountable being like you keep your side of the street clean but I think it just like you can just take that and go you just always try to do the right thing but also if you make a mess you go back and you clean it up and you make sure that anything that you did not well is made right
0: yeah
1: i don't know like just in relation to your relationships with other people and whatnot if you just always do your best to make sure that you have been doing the right thing the whole time then no matter which way the cookie crumbles you can always feel good about yourself and know that you tried i think that that's a good a good piece of advice that i was given that i would give someone else
0: hey guys thank you so much for listening to just another human story this week i just quickly want to thank damo Noel, costa and abby for being in the first few episodes and really helping me get this off the ground Also a big shout out to Delia for designing the cover art and working through some creative ideas with me. But lastly, I want to thank all of you guys that have listened so far. This is just the beginning. Um, I'm planning on releasing a new episode each week on Wednesday. So click on that subscribe button. Share it with your friends and family because we never know who these these life stories are going to encourage. And uh, just before I let you go, if you want to turn sharing your story, or know someone that should share their story to encourage others you'll find my email in the podcast info and i'd love to hear from you so we can line up your chance to share your human story